At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Today, I'm talking to a man covering the dark side of influencer culture. He breaks down the unethical and sometimes illegal activities of Instagram and YouTube stars. If someone says something's a pyramid scheme, I'm going to buy the product and have figured out. He's currently being sued for $2 million. We talk about what makes an influencer ethical, Andrew Tate, FTX, and some of the most annoying scams. Welcome to Spencer Cornelia. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We've got Spencer Cornelia. Good to have you, my man. All the way out here in this special city. In beautiful Malibu. I wanted to hop in. We've, we've been avoiding this conversation for the last 12 hours since you got here. So I'm excited to finally. Uh, FTX. It's a scandal, isn't it? Yes. So I'll, I'll tee it up. You can hop in. For those of you guys who don't know, because this isn't like a crypto cast. FTX is a large crypto exchange attached to this weird quasi hedge fund, Alameda Research, run by this guy, Sam Bankman fried who we will just call SBF from now on. It goes under to the tune of losing billions of dollars for all sorts of different people including the little guy retail investor who put their money in just hoping to like buy a cryptocurrency in the same way that you might have money waiting in your Schwab account. That's just gone, locked up. You can't get access. We don't know if you will. Um, there's been an interesting YouTube back and forth that started with CoffeeZilla and that went back to you and is back and forth and has been on your mind a lot, I know, which is he made a video, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, sort of calling out the influencers who promoted uh, FTX to their audience because they received money. The audience uh, ultimately wound up being harmed if they did follow that recommendation. And there was a lot of consensus in his community that this was, you know, a righteous call out. And then you made a very interesting response, which was, well, I'll let you take it from here. The optics are very similar <laughs> to a lot of the videos we produce. Mm -hmm. I won't deny that where you have influencer influences something and the followers that mm -hmm. were influenced were damaged. It's very similar to a lot of the topics we discussed. And uh, yeah, it gets, uh, it gets interesting when you become friends with a lot of people on YouTube and then you have like a video that calls out friends and you know everyone involved and you kind of mm -hmm. know the full story that unfortunately the audience doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so then I made a, a response video and I, basically what I was getting at is you can blame whoever you want. And I totally understand if you watch Graham Stephan on YouTube and you, want, you are influenced to buy a product or service and you were damaged because of his influence, mm -hmm. absolutely be mad at him. There's nothing wrong with that. All I was saying is that this is a weighted scale. As you alluded to, this is a billions of dollars worth of damages situation. And I have very, very educated belief. Mm -hmm. I can't back this up. A very educated belief that there were probably less than 1 million in damages collectively from the YouTube finance space. And so when you talk about a billion dollar loss collectively mm -hmm. and a 1 million with an M from mm -hmm. finance YouTube, blame them. Please do. I don't care. And mm -hmm. that was the point of the video. Do not... I do not care. I'm not telling you what to think. My point is that there was a billion dollars worth of losses. If you want to shed the blame, I think you should use a weighted scale. That's mm -hmm. all. It, because I feel like, and I get it, it's on YouTube. We're going after YouTubers. But when you make videos only attacking a small group of people, that is a narrative. That is not, I'm telling the story. And I feel like it is more appropriate to tell the full story. If you want to include them, by all means. And I've never backed down from that. I've never changed my narrative or anything. I just felt like there was a lot of attack towards a small group that as a whole, 
I don't think they were at fault. Is it fair to say that your perspective is kind of like if it's a cop who everyone is speeding, you know, they're doing 85 on the way from Vegas to California and they pull over one person when the flow of traffic was headed? Yeah, there? exactly. That, or, or similar. similar. Let's go back to 2007 and I'm your neighbor <laughs> and I do, dude, I made a lot of money in real estate. You have to get into real estate, dude. You have to go buy that house down the street and you buy the house down the street and a month later the market crashes, you lose money. I influence you to do it. I told you to do it. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely be mad at me. But to only focus on me as the culprit for this large-scale, massive real estate collapse, I felt like would just be disingenuous. Sure. So th- I think there's a lot of interesting questions here, which is you pointed out that um, there's an FTX stadium in Miami, Tom Brady, Larry David, these sorts of people promoted it. I don't have the answer to that, and I want to know what you think. I think uh, part of CoffeeZilla's point was that these people are presenting themselves and receiving money as financial experts, whereas Tom Brady is presenting himself as an aspirational figure who can throw a football real well. Um, are there different levels of culpability, even if, and I'll set this aside, it's possible that Tom Brady is responsible for far more damages. If you look utilitarian wise at the amount of people that acted on Tom Brady's authority, which is, I would be willing to bet. Yeah. He was far more influential than these finance YouTubers by probably orders of magnitude. Um, do you think that there's a different level of culpability when it comes time to like, uh, review the ethics of Tom Brady's decision versus uh, some of these finance YouTubers. I think it comes down to damages, <clears throat> and maybe that I think that's partially where we disagree. Mm-hmm. I felt like he built a strong man, arg- a straw man argument that I wasn't, I wasn't trying to deny. Like absolutely, you when you position yourself as a financial expert, you're going to be held to a different standard. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was never arguing that. I'm just saying, if Tom Brady, if we knew, if Tom Brady influenced a hundred million dollars in losses alone, and Graham Stephan influenced five hundred thousand, mm-hmm. why is the entire video about them? And, and why they're unethical and doing these things and like, let's send the venom at them mm-hmm. as opposed to the other factors. I, I don't know the number of how much these guys influence, but I can tell you that these companies know what they're doing. They're not paying a market rate for Tom Brady or Stephen Curry out of the, just thin air, right? There's going to be a general market rate that their agent says we charge this much because they know long-term they will influence. And so I think a lot of the comments where a lot of people, and, and maybe it's just a misunderstanding, they go, I went to these financial YouTubers, and when they influence me to go into a financial product, they should be held to a different standard. Yeah. I agree. I'm not going to Tom Brady for financial advice. I totally agree. But that's denying the fact that these guys have massive influence. Yeah. They have a global audience. I go, out, I go and hang out with these guys, these finance YouTubers out in public. None of us get recognized. Tom Brady literally cannot go anywhere in America without getting recognized. So my point is that there's a broad, a broad level of influence that the Miami Heat Arena and that all these do. And I bring this up in the video just to show, the point was just to show the scale of, the in one night, the Miami Heat will have more impressions than all of Finance YouTube will have in a month or two. Mm-hmm. That was the point I was trying to, and unfortunately it, may, it clearly just got misinterpreted in some way. Got it. Do you think this was catchable and ought to have been caught by experts in the finance space? Well, the first or part, of, yeah, this is, this is like a fascinating question because then it's like, <laughs> Where is the blame lie? And then this goes to a broader idea of like how much culpability or do influencers have? How much due diligence yeah. should we do? Um, it's a tough question because we don't have access to the same resources that a BlackRock does, right? Yeah. And so the, one of the big reasons why I wanted to make this video, the video that I did, is because BlackRock and all these people were way closer to the books. They had auditing firms. They had all the, they had, yeah. you even see Gary Gensler was tied to it. So these guys, you trust that they had access to books and everything was above board. So how much more resources and access to whatever it is, the, the, the answer you're looking for, how much are you expecting YouTubers to have? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to say we should have any more than a company investing $200 million mm-hmm. into, the, into the company. There are a few questions there you might want to re-ask. Yeah, yeah so I, I guess here's, I've been trying to think through this because I don't know. Um, I do think that it's an important to have a philosophy each, each person needs to set up when it comes to sponsorships. Right. And ours have broadly been, do I use this or know someone who does? Is there a segment of my audience to whom I would recommend this if I was not receiving any money? What is the potential downside of getting this recommendation wrong? And that's actually been one that for us, for instance, um, BetterHelp, we had for a while. And it answered the questions like, I've used it, but honestly, I can afford these really expensive LA therapists that... Uh, command the price that they ask. But there is a section of my audience to whom I would never recommend that because it's not financially feasible. So better help makes sense. I did a trial. I found, I was like, this person could be helpful to other people. 
Um, then there was years ago, there was the, I don't know if you remember this, there was this YouTube shakeup where it, it was discovered that BetterHelp's terms and conditions page did not guarantee that every one of their therapists was a licensed therapist, which in retrospect, it looks like was lawyers trying to protect them, but not actually necessarily their business practice to like not have licensed therapists. So then BetterHelp was a thing. We wound up taking it down and it caused a lot of, um, internal soul searching around like who can we recommend and why um and i don't i didn't necessarily have a clear answer to it but since then we've been uh we've had simple habit which is a meditation app which i feel pretty safe about you stand to lose a few dollars a month and um meditate (laughs) a little bit and audible now we're in the very lucky position of having our own product and being able to like support our channel through that so if ftx had reached out to me i would have because I'm conservative, been fearful of recommending it. Anytime you're directing people to send potentially large amounts of money. But also, like, if Coinbase reached out to me, I fucking probably would have. I've used them for years. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. But I want to I add this question in. I've heard people say, as I prepared sort of for our conversation, that um, there were red flags that could have and ought to have been seen. I'm curious what you think about that in terms of um, guaranteed like 7% return rates on some of their products, which is like, that is a literal Ponzi scheme shit right there. As soon as you see a guaranteed 7 8% return, just think Bernie Madoff and get the fuck out of there. Um, though I know that wasn't across all of their platforms, including the Simple Exchange. Um, so yeah, I'm curious uh, if you know enough of the specifics of FTX to evaluate if this was something that people could have and should have seen coming, or if you're just like, look, BlackRock got got, you know? Uh, I think the the sole purpose of the sponsorship (laughs) reads were this is an exchange Mm -hmm. for crypto, which is a totally adequate business model. Coinbase, coincrypto.com, these are adequate. And Binance, you know, what happens if the next one falls? Now all of a sudden the people that recommended those, are they now the biggest Mm -hmm. scammers in the world? Mm -hmm. The 8% or whatever the the guaranteed returns, that's where it gets really interesting. I don't remember, and I'm very comfortable if I, if I get proven wrong, I'll, I'll admit it, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable thinking that Graham and these guys never promised like 8%. Like you exchange your money on this platform and you make 8%. Staking. And that's where you, that, yeah. yeah, that's where you get into securities law, which is, yeah, there's a very, very, very dark legal waters there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was just something else offered. I think Coinbase too, like Ethereum allows the ability to stake but that's with the new lawsuits. I think that's a a problem, that a, a be potential problem where there might be some more liability than everyone initially thought. Sure. Are you familiar with the term uh, principal agent problem? Do you know that one? No. So this is something that I think of generally exists. And to your broader point, um, principal agent problem is where the person acting on your behalf does not have the the aligned interest with you. So for instance, if you have a money manager and they make money based on every transaction, they get a percentage their incentive is to transact a lot. What is in your best interest might be to buy and hold and not have that. So this is built into the structure of sponsorships, unfortunately, that the principal agent problem exists, which is to say the influencer, me or whoever, gets paid at the mere recommendation of this product, but the user needs to get value out of the product in order for that to be worthwhile to them. Um, And I think that uh, it's just something that people need to think about and think about the potential downsides. I'm not, I, I don't know enough about FTX to say if these guys should have caught this or what amount of uh, credit should be withdrawn from your mental account of if they're your guru or not. But uh, I do think that zooming out what you've pointed out and what, what Kovzilla was um, talking about in some level is this principal agent problem, which is like, yo, Tom Brady doesn't know shit about this. Right. He just got paid a million dollars. He's done. He does not give a fuck. <laughs> you know, it's this, over this, So for this him. brings up a really interesting point, which is uh, what a lot of people did in the comments, which is you're benefiting from this parasocial relationship. You post content on YouTube. We trust you. You make a lot of money from that. And then you send people to the slaughter and they go, whoa, 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 it's not my fault. Yes. I think that's a very fair argument. And However, not financial. I, I think this is, I've seen people go like this, not financial advice, yeah. nonsense. There's it, no legal which is, reason to do there, You're still in trouble in court. And I, under, and I understand, but it's what I, and I, and I can relate to this, which is people want the social credit and the money that flows from being an influencer. And when people, when they get it right, they're eager to reap the benefits and the rewards and the clout that comes with the correct pick. But when shit goes wrong, 
there's not a similar level of responsibility taken, which is I'm just a guy, and this is true of, you know, fucking comedians or whatever. It's, I, I can't, you know, I, yeah. I can't control anybody that anything does. I'm just up here talking shit. I was just a spokesman or whatever. Yeah, and, and I relate to that because it is like, dude, I'm sitting here on my couch talking nonsense, and it's easy to forget about the fact right. that there's people out there acting, listening, and behaving. Yeah, and, and for a one minute, one quote-unquote, one minute of work, they'll pay yeah. you X amount, and you're like, man, I used to make that per month. So what yeah. I was trying to finish with the so parasocial relationship is just that where's the line drawn between a YouTuber and Tom Brady? Because Tom Brady has fans. He's built up this fan base over time and this trust with his audience, people that love the New England Patriots and mm -hmm. the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're willing to pay $500,000 for a signed football and so why is it that YouTubers have this different level? Is it because they're closer? Why can I, I, I think it's because it's the positioning. So I think CoffeeZilla probably would have gone as hard at Jim Cramer mm -hmm. if he had done this. And, and I think his point is not that they belong in jail, but that the audience should sit and rethink the amount of uh, financial clout and expertise that they offer to these people. And where I can sit is... It really depends on this particular FTX thing of which I don't know a ton about to know, is this like taking a Bank of America thing? Uh, my understanding broadly is that they were not, they didn't have the same regulations as like a Coinbase or something like that. So it was, it did have that red flag, but I think it's understandable. And quite frankly, a lot of, a lot of experts are looking for social cues. And when you see Sequoia Capital and BlackRock, you go, do I have to read the entire paper? <laughs> do I have right, to, right. Do I have to watch then, every interview? Even then, I mean, what? how could you have spotted it, right? And of course, and what's what's the fun part of the Ponzi scheme breakdowns mm -hmm. is then you have the following week. There's always a, a, a similar schedule, which is the following week you look for signs and then yeah. everything becomes the most obvious red flag, right? Well, if it was, then why didn't people alert the SEC yeah, to yeah, save yeah. all the people from losing their money, yeah. right? So that's the period we're in now where everything looks like an obvious red flag. Yeah. And uh, then the next week will be about trying to decipher Sam Bickman's freed, how, how much? The psychopathy of the Sam. Psychopathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this is how <laughs> then all we come stories. in and we do a sociopath yeah, yeah, video <laughs> and tell you how you absolutely could have seen this coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've got this thing, which I think has made you successful, which you, you're a shit starter. And even what I just saw on you is like, <laughs> freaks me out. Man. So I love the poke and prod. You came over here several months ago mm -hmm. and I swear to God, I thought you were suicidal. Not because you said you were going to hurt yourself, <laughs> but because you had made this video about an influencer I was, was on the way to make the video. Well, you'd already like called him out several times. Yeah. Um, he's huge. I mean, how much do you think he weighs? He's probably every bit 6'6", 240. Yes. And you were going to go to his place and confront him with a troll like fake thing after you'd made videos dissing him. And you're like, and we're going to roll up <laughs> and we're going to be there all alone. And we're going to, I was just like, you're crazy. So you, you do seem to, and I'm curious if you're aware of this. Um, there's like a, I was like, I think Spencer's like missing the part of his amygdala that like kicks fear in. And I don't know if, if you relate to that or if you've noticed about that, that about yourself at all. I think I enjoy drama in some ways because uh -huh. it's interesting. You were like excited about it. <laughs> Full context. I, I made a video titled like I, I scammed this influencer with a fake crypto coin. It was yeah. Mr. Organic video. I came over to Charlie's house beforehand. I'm like, dude, I got this great idea. I'm about to go film. And you're, you and Ben were like, uh, are you sure me, this is a good idea? <laughs> and I was like, I came with a fake check and I had yeah. like D's nuts written on it. Yeah, <laughs> you wrote him a check <laughs> for the amount of money you said you're going to give him from uh, D's nuts. Or yeah, yeah I just did one dollar. Yeah. Because okay. I was going to give him a check, and I was like, "From D's nuts, yeah, <laughs> not yes. to hand it to him in person." So, yeah, I'm. I can be a poker and potter. I think it's because, I think when you're comfortable with who you are, mm -hmm. there there isn't really that much that affects me. There are the only comments that I've figured out have affected me are the people who are like, "Man, I was with you from the start, and mm -hmm. I unsubbed because I didn't like this," and mm -hmm. that kind of yeah, that's always going to affect you. But outside of that, there's very little that can affect me, because I'm just comfortable with who I am. I I enjoy like this process of becoming a YouTuber, and well, you weren't um, afraid to get beaten up. No, no, not at all. No. Okay. I didn't think he would. Yeah, neither did I on average. Right. But I was like, you don't want to go to someone's house, piss them off, troll them with a camera yeah. if you're <laughs> if you're trying to avoid conflict. Like yeah, that. sure, sure. And I've also seen it. So you, um, and I think that to be clear, I think these voices, you, CoffeeZilla, there is a type that sinks deep enough into fuck it, which is a necessary it takes a very special type of person to invite, at the very least, cease and desists. And then secondary, you've got lawsuits. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to bet Stephen does as well. Um, so we could talk about your lawsuit, but like, 
that hasn't deterred you in the way that I think that it would, I know that it would have me. Um, and so talk, let's, let's zoom out and give the context of the lawsuit that you're in. Yeah, that was a video I made in December 2020. It's so mm-hmm. long ago, two yeah. years ago. This is the unfortunate reality of lawsuits. They just drag out. And yeah. you're like, dude, I was, I was a different person back then. Yeah, I essentially made a video, <laughs> eventually made two videos, but I interviewed someone who was an intern at the company this guy formerly worked at. And I felt like, I mean, total credible source. Yeah. Knew all about him, had all, some of his clients are kind of in a similar niche, had all of his clients messaging about this guy, scammy stuff he was doing. So I was like, oh, this is a, so part of journalism is, if you're going to make a critical video, you kind of need to show proof that you at least did some research or something, or you leaned on a credible source. Well, essentially I interviewed this one guy and he said things, he said words and found those words to be defamatory and sued me oddly enough that I interviewed someone. What was the allegation regarding, are you allowed to talk about like what was the alleged defamatory statements that were So there were numerous, I don't really want to, I'll make a video about it if people care, but it's long, but yeah, there was, there was a, a, probably 45 minutes worth of video content of you of no, that I posted. Okay. And so I interviewed the other guy. I didn't do any Got speaking. It, it was, it, it was oh, also, like, I'm in trouble now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it's nuts, man. It was almost like you, you take an, two employees at a company and you're just like, Hey, let me interview, you know, one interviews the other about their experience. And then one gets sued and not the one who did the speaking. You're just like, this makes no sense. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a challenging, challenging thing to face. Yeah, that's the downside of what I do. Got it. So you were then sued. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what happened with that? I was served in June of 2021. And since then, you just get to figure out the entire legal process of mm-hmm. filings and motions and discovery and this and that and the amount of time and energy you put in. And what's unfortunate, too, is it makes for an interesting story. But just the if you evaluate the energy I've spent, like, realistically, I probably would have been better off bottling it up today. Obviously, that would have led to major trauma if I couldn't speak about it with friends. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, the, uh, the process is really long. Unfortunately, it's very expensive. 190K yeah. out of pocket. And I probably, if I had to estimate, probably another 30 to go. Wow. Before we even reach a, a decision by the judge. And then, and it, then could go to, maybe... it could go to court, which could be even more. Mm. So, I mean, we're talking like a YouTube video that probably made me like $300 in AdSense. For statements that you didn't, I didn't make. make. I, I made nothing. I made no statements. Wow. I interviewed someone. Think of how insane our legal system is that if I wasn't fortunate enough to make the money I make to at least cover my legal bills. Yeah. I would have had to fundraise. Well, I think you should have fundraised. Yeah. I mean, looking I, back, that would have yeah. been a smart move. Um, a GoFundMe in that sort of a situation, I think is one of the... I vastly underestimated this. I thought it'd be 30 or 40K spread yeah. out over six months. Sucks, but you can get by. Uh, if you would have told me 190K in mm-hmm. 16 months or whatever, that's that's a stomach punch. Jeez. So uh, you got you learned the ins and outs of the legal system. It was a very inexpensive education that you got. <laughs> you could have gone to law school. Instead, you got to go to the, the courthouse. Um, and so what uh, can you give us any of the updates on that and what's what's sure. sort of happened? Because I know you've made videos. And this was, this, I was reminded, I was just like, you keep making videos about this. <laughs> Got to talk There's about your some little, like, part of you drama. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, we talked, I talked about this with a friend recently and that I've had so much stability in my life that if you wanted to break it down and go on an LSD trip, it might be the fact that I've been so stable mm-hmm. that like I kind of enjoy these in- instability because mm. life is boring. Like realistically, life is kind of boring. You just kind of exist. But then these stories make life so interesting and in a way, maybe I'm just a st- deep down a story, a story chaser where I know there's like some spectacle that's going to come from this. Interesting. If, maybe some like subconscious pursuit of like constantly like, because I know it's, it's so funny about my, my path in life. Like sometimes I can just exist and be okay, but I always go, well, I have this much. Let me leverage it into another real estate property that like yeah. gets me into more kind of trouble. It's more stress than anything, but yeah. that's how I kind of push the edge in life. I noticed that energy in your videos where you're yeah. like, you're clearly enjoying, like you're calling someone out, but the most fun that you seem to have is in like writing a poem to them yeah. or about them. Yeah. Um, and not that one way is right or wrong, but correct, correct me if this doesn't match your sense. When I look at a, someone like a coffeezilla, he seems really interested in busting people. You know what I mean? Calling attention to things and affecting change. I think that you probably have that interest as well, but there seems to be a giddy mischief-making joy <laughs> in in the energy that you bring to these projects. Does that resonate? Yeah, with you? it's almost like the old school hip hop. Yeah, man, where you just like you win at each other. You're yeah. just like, yo, I'm gonna call you out and come up with lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that sentiment in a lot of ways. I think part of it is because I lost faith that there's any change that actually happens. Mm-hmm. 
because if you quote unquote expose someone for being a scumbag, yeah, like for sports betters are the perfect example because those guys I truly am exposing. Like you do not win. All of your marketing is wrong. Yeah. And I can prove it with mathematics. And uh, yeah, I enjoy calling them out. But then when you realize that they still run the same size business, you kind yeah. of lose faith in like the idea of exposing for change. And mm -hmm. I don't deny, I think CoffeeZilla is highly influential and I yeah. love what he does. And I do think there is change. I think the change is actually really hard to see because people's mm -hmm. buying behavior might change where they go, whoa, 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 wait a second. I'm actually going to, because I watch Spencer and Coffee, I'm going to now evaluate it before making the decision. Mm -hmm. So people will still buy, but you can't evaluate, you know, how many people didn't buy because now they might go, well, Spencer said this about a video. Let me at least, let me step back and yeah. rethink this. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Well, no, we were, I, I think there's a, I was going to ask you about the lawsuit, but I'm yeah. actually curious about what you just said, which is what do you think the net effect of like a CoffeeZilla or you has been? When I think about it, there are names that I've seen both of you cover several times that seem to have withdrawn or at least shifted their approach. So in that level, I see that um, for a lot of the people that you guys will point to, call out, quote unquote, expose, there's a change that's made there. And the whole... In some way, but but there still seems to be an endless tide of like new, young, unknown people that are just eager to try to make a quick buck. And I wonder how much of the systemic get rich quick thing can ever be stopped and how much is like, I can prevent people from going to this person. I can prevent people from going to this person. But I mean, look at it. We're in the middle of this crypto exploding bubble where- if it looks like something's going to get you rich and you're not going to have to work, there seems to be no amount of education that will stop many people Even from... Even semi-intelligent people, too. It's yeah. not like there's some underworld of only idiots that buy this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you, their Kevin David FTC complaint came out and people are spending $100,000. Mm -hmm. like someone has $100,000 to give Kevin David. Yeah, so I think uh, step one of, or answer one to that question is, like, CoffeeZilla is really entertaining. He does a great job at that. And my initial belief was that I can make videos where I could break down an objective way and go, here are the good guys, here are the bad guys, and kind of be this guy that's just like, hey, let me be almost like a course review channel. Mm -hmm. And then when you realize that the more entertainment works better, and you can kind of expose them educationally, like, I don't believe this to be the case because of math and this, these are the reasons, but then also kind of tell jokes at their expense. Yeah, yeah. So that's one way that I think I have pivoted a little bit is because I've realized that just like, let's have fun with this instead of being super, super boring robot. This marketing message does not equate to, you know, it's just not fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, second, we were talking about, what was the second question? The, the, what we were talking prior about the lawsuit, if you wanted to. Oh, no, no. You were talking about, oh, the, the wave of get rich quick. Oh, I don't, sure. I don't know if there really is change. Like, yeah. dude, you go back to 1990s, Tom Vu and some of these guys, it's mm -hmm. the same messaging. Yeah. Why can you not stop? this stuff from happening. There's clearly an embedded something in our psychiatry that falls victim to this. I mean, I, I have some shit coins. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, uh, I've lost money yeah. <laughs> on, you know, like everyone else, not that much. And I, and I truly put in an amount that I was like, this is what I would put on a roulette table in Las Vegas for a mm -hmm. good time. Um, maybe a little bit more because <laughs> these are real financial instruments. You have to realize um, well, that would make it a security. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. I think. There's a number of things that I wanted to touch on, but let's talk about uh, the intricacies of some of these different types of scams, which I find really interesting. You don't know, what, what, right before shooting, uh, I was like, oh my God, these people are reaching out to me on my phone and they're, I, we have no idea why or what they want. I think it'd be really cool if you looked into the people who are offering me $100,000 lines of credits, credits every single day. But you did um, real estate seminars. Or, or seminar, the seminar model. I love this subject. Yes. Scamiest business model in the world. Walk me through it. Three parts okay. to this scam. Step one is they will run Facebook ads, YouTube ads. Come out to my seminar. You'll learn how to get rich. I, I mean, I have a thousand units of apartments and I'm going to teach you how to do the same. Mm -hmm. Easy. It's free. You're, of course, you're going to show up. You've got a big celebrity. A lot of these will use a celebrity uh, flipper flop TV show. Yeah. So, you know, okay, that guy flips houses on TV. Therefore, he's going to teach me. It's just a marketer guy. They don't show up. So you get there, and I've actually been to one. You sit in a, a, an event space with you know, 50 other people, and everyone's Marriott. hopeful. And yeah, and, yeah. and everyone's kind of like, hey, we're going to come here and learn. And you've got some really salesy guy on stage. He's going to show you how he did this one deal and made 50K in two weeks because he saved his mom's mortgage. Of course, there's like some sob story. Incredible sales timeline from point A to point B. Point A being when you walk in the door. Point B to at the end of the event, which is where they upsell you. If you want to learn how I did this, we happen to be in town next weekend, three day seminar for a thousand bucks. 
okay, you've already, you're emotionally invested. You can sign up in the back of the room. You sign up for a thousand bucks. And then at that three-day seminar, you learn a decent amount. You learn kind of the, here's, here's how to make a YouTube video. You get this camera and that audio, mm -hmm. but like realistically, you don't get the nuts and bolts because that's when they pitch you on the mentorship. Mm -hmm. And we can go into the details, but that's essentially the overview. And that, that upsell model isn't scamming. A lot of businesses upsell, but it's just how they do it. Yeah. It's so, so, so bad. And they get people, investing in real estate takes a lot of capital. And so if you're going to take 50 grand from someone or upwards of 50 grand, sometimes as low as, tw as, as 20,000, yeah, yeah. you're taking people's, kind of the capital they had to invest. And so, sure, you might teach them something, but then they don't have money to invest in real estate. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting is, and I don't know the business structure of these, but I here's the question is, okay, you've got this thing, person on the stage, that you can teach to anybody. Yes. Why don't you, after that first free session, say, we'll hire you to do this. Pay them, own the money that they're certainly going to make, and do so much. This is this is what I find is the um, when people like why teach when you can own equity, right? At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And something that you know is going to work. And the answer, of course, when it comes to making money can only be that, uh, which I think is reasonable, is to say, like, I can't guarantee that everyone's going to make money. And or, I think, or they pay up. There's risk there, too. And, and there's totally, I think it's really reasonable to have courses, classes, seminars, et cetera, that teach you how to make money that say, not everybody's going to do this. I don't know who's going to succeed. The equity model doesn't work here, but the information is solid if enacted by an intelligent person who persists at it over a longer period of time. So that's why I'm going to do it. The real disconnect comes when it's like, no skills, no things, total yes. guarantees, it'll work, done for you. That's another one that is super popular. It's in the FBA space with Amazon and like they'll set up a store for you. Um, if you're going to do it for them, do it for yourself and just use their name in order to make the new, you know what I mean? Like right. there's just own, own the business at that point. So that's where I go. Okay. We have, we've jumped the shark or jumped the line from offering information, which understandably is of a differential value to different people. Yes. Because the same piece of information to one person is going to change their life, make them a million dollars and to somebody else, it's a total waste of their time because they're never going to do anything with it or they don't have any of the other social or mental support to, to make it work. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like these seminars, correct me if I'm wrong, the ones that you're thinking of, um, tend to lean towards that it's guaranteed, it's going to work. Absolutely. All the promises in the world. Most of my channel focuses on the marketing, not, not the actual product, because yeah. I think that matters most. And my biggest issue is I'm in the real estate space. I know how insanely hard it is. Mm -hmm. I'm around, I run a meetup for five years, the last yeah. five years, and I've met so many beginners. I know how challenging it is to go from zero to one. And so it's totally fine to charge for education. There, I've never had a problem with gurus charging for education. Yeah. But when you, you, when you, the seminar is specifically set up to emotionally get you to buy into a belief system that you are the next person that can make millions mm -hmm. and you don't disclose all of the difficulties. You don't disclose that you have a really low credit score. The chances mm -hmm. of you being able to qualify for a loan are really low. Number two, you don't really talk about what hard money is and all the challenges that come with actually finding a property and that 1% of wholesalers succeed. Yeah. Right? If you if you did a seminar that's pretty boring, no emotions attached, you just said, here's my life, here's how I built this up, here's the, the success rate, here's all the challenges I faced. And at the end, if you think you're willing to pursue this, in spite of all the challenges you may face, I have an offering for a thousand bucks or whatever. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But- yeah they gloss over all the difficulties. And I think they prey on people's vulnerabilities in a lot of cases. There's a, a guy, Mike Winnett, who does, have you seen Contrapreneur Bingo? Mm -hmm. It's funny because he does a lot of the guys and they have all of the same, you know, the same um, webinar formats. And then he, there's a handful of guys like your Dan Pena's who he can't get any check marks because oh, it's yeah. just him screaming at you that you're a useless <laughs> piece of shit the whole time and you'll never yeah. succeed. And he's like, well... I guess <laughs> I can't <laughs> accuse him of saying that it's going to work for everybody, you know, yeah, like how yeah. you're going to fail. So it's, um, yeah, I, I understand what you're pointing to, which is it's, it's the disconnect between the promise being made yes. and the delivery. Another thing that I think is a really interesting, uh, 
flag that I try to keep an eye on in, in the way that we've offered products and courses is that how difficult is the process to get in versus how difficult is the process to get out? So for most people, they put a tremendous amount of marketing effort, one-click buy, just write your credit card, we'll grab your email, we'll remind you to buy if you don't, like, it's the most concierge give us your money service that you've ever seen in your entire life. Oh, you can't afford it today, we'll take payments. It's like, no problem receiving money. You want to leave? You want us to give you your money back? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? First off, you're going to need to do an 80-day action step. You're going to need to prove that you went <laughs> through the whole program. We're not going to be able to write it to you. You're going to have, there's nowhere on the website that shows you. And I think that is indicative of, um, if you're out there and you have courses, like you've set up a money trap. You've, you've, Absolutely. you've set up this thing that tries to suck money in and it's not the value of your product or people's uh, satisfaction with what they've learned that, keeps the money in your bank account it's the fact that you have just put up unnecessary obstacles to them getting it back oh it's ridiculous and i was the, reading through oh sorry go ahead sorry and then and then the mental gymnastics is there it's like i only want committed people which is like then why did you let anyone in and what you, you only want committed plans. people have an application process right say no we only and it's and it's yeah it's uh yeah i see there's a lot of mental gymnastics that that have to be done in order to um to operate like that, but it's, it's these fake gurus are insanely money hungry, and this is why I, I've tried to focus on you know where's their actual main source of income. Because if I'm doing real estate, in full disclosure, I may put together some type of package product for house hacking, which is what I do in the real estate space. Very very niche, but um, I have nothing wrong with with packaging up information. But if I'm not making money house hacking, and I only focus on selling the course, then I'm going to do whatever it takes to get every last dollar out of every customer. Mm -hmm. Because that is my income source. And so that's exactly what you're explaining, which is um, their, their money source is the course. So if you then say, I want my money back, their main income source takes a massive hit. Yeah. And yeah. that's why you see this. Uh, I was reading Kevin David's complaint today, and he's one of these guys that had the action step where you, you have to consume 40% okay, of the so digital let, so product. So let's, let's slow down. And yeah. just, So Kevin David, I, I'm familiar with from YouTube. Can you give a little context to this? Yeah, he was one of the biggest fake gurus of, he jumped in the Amazon space right as it was getting hot, this idea of drop shipping and you can work from anywhere and make seven figures a year and just the, all of the gimmicky sales tactics. Mm -hmm. And he, he became one of the biggest fake gurus in terms of size and how many people knew him because he ran huge budgets and, on and YouTube. And let me ask you, because I know, uh, is fake guru a defamatory statement? I don't believe so, no. Am I in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> no, these are all just opinions shared of, about people. Got it. No, you we'll can continue. share because these are all public figures. I'm, I'm curious because yeah. I know that a lot of in this space, there's a lot of um, strategic lawsuits that and right. you've, you've been. Um, you're it's like calling someone ugly. There's no damages yeah. calling someone a fake guru. Got it. We'll continue, please. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Kevin David's going through a complaint right now, and he was going through. Uh, he would do these these scammy gimmicks of having to you know, do all these steps to get a refund mm -hmm. because that's his model. That's his income source. He doesn't do Amazon. He doesn't make millions from Amazon. Mm -hmm. He makes millions from you. And that's Got how it. a lot of these guys, a lot of the guys I made videos about, this is just unfortunate reality of the space is I think you and had. So what is this, this complaint that's been filed? You said you were reading it this morning. Yeah. Yeah. The FTC had okay. a complaint. So what was that a, an individual? Oh, oh, yeah. The businesses that Kevin David and his business partner ran. A lot of it was based on the marketing, which is, uh, <laughs> it's so funny reading in, on paper because there's no emotions or video. Yeah. You're just reading it. Like, what did they say? You can make 50 to set. He had a, a cryptocurrency trading bot as well, where you can make 50 to 65% a year, mm. you know, and he would charge for that, of course. Got it. So, so all so these crazy marketing tactics. How did he complete? I really don't know anything about these. So a group of people who have purchased this go to a governmental agency presumably with a lawyer and they need a bunch of them or just a single like i don't what? know that process okay i wish i did no i don't know and dude it's the wild west it all started with ty lopez when he came out with the here's how you make a bunch of money i'm going to teach you and then this spawned like the really 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 big oh fake well, the gurus. truth is this this goes back way, oh absolutely way but it hit ty social lopez. media really hard sure. he was kind of the first big face and you had alex becker and a few others mm -hmm. The reason why fake gurus can get away with what they can get away with is, number one, you have this whole fascinating psychological dynamic, which is the people who felt scammed or felt like they bought a course that it wasn't worth it. The burden to go get their money back or to file a lawsuit is so incredibly high that they may have to spend fifty dollars to $100,000 on a lawyer mm -hmm. to pursue someone in court. Okay, I'll just take my $900. I'll, I'll kind of walk down the street. I'll tuck my head and be embarrassed, but I won't share it with anyone. Yeah. So this is why I rarely get people reaching out saying someone got scammed them, mm. which is fascinating because 
you bought a terrible product in the sports gambling space, I know you're losing money. You think there's a lot of like shame and embarrassment that, Absolutely. that stops people from showing to up. To reach out to someone and say, I got duped by this. And, and you just tell you my just, story. Yeah. You just made a video saying like clowning on the guy like, who falls for this, right? And you yeah. kind of get bombastic about it. And then they're the ones that's like, yeah, I, I fell for it. Mm. No one wants to share that they were, everyone feels like they're too smart for the scam, right? Yeah. And then when they get duped, they're like, oh, I, it wasn't me or, you know what I mean? Uh. There's like a very big bur- uh, a very big barrier to get people to speak out. So when you have a class action lawsuit or a group of people reaching out about someone, it is bad. Okay. That's, that's, and that, I think that's the case here. I, there's more news to come because I know it's coming with him that uh, is not public yet, but yeah, mm. I think there's a lot of people upset with his service. I'll be curious to, to hear. So you mentioned something. Um, you mentioned Ty Lopez, you mentioned Alex Becker. Um, I'm not a follower of either of them. I do know, I know one guy, which was my COO, that started and sold his social media marketing agency based on Ty Lopez's course and made three million Canadian. I know. Wow. Um, and uh, I have another friend who's who's a fan of Alex Becker. So my question, not knowing a lot about those guys, is what do you think makes someone a fake guru versus a non-fake guru? I actually don't think those guys are fake gurus okay. much, but they, they went into like the kind of the scammy marketing. Okay. So and there were big names. Let's, let's, this is an interesting thing to like separate, which is, yeah. I think you've got a category of fake guru, which is perhaps someone who has claimed to make money in a way that they did not sincerely. Yes. So they're like posting fake income reports and telling you that you can get rich, but really the way that they are go- have gotten rich or whatever is, is hopefully off of you giving them money for them to teach you. <laughs> teach you, you how know? to get rich, so, And yeah. it's that sort of a cycle. It's the ebook, is how to make money online, teaching people yes. how to make money online. And so perhaps that's a figure. But then there's another category of like deceptive or um, there's this whole spectrum of like white hat marketing all the way over to black hat, yes. which is how many prom- – what, what are the promises that you're making? Can anyone do this? Are no skills truly involved? What is your actual success rate that you're hiding from me? Are you making it difficult to, with, to get a refund from this course? And that might be a separate category of like shady or crappy unfair marketing practices. Right. Which don't necessarily over, overlap one-to-one with a fake yeah, or – Yeah, there's like a the, – kind of the correlation causation argument, which is <laughs> – Almost all fake gurus use the scammy marketing tactics, mm-hmm. but some legitimate companies and people use the scammy marketing tactics too, because in a way you have to compete, mm. right? If you're if you're going to teach someone how to make money on Amazon and the, and the current sales pitch is five thousand dollars a month, you can't come out with a course saying how to make three thousand dollars a month or how to work really hard. This will only work for some yeah. people, and you, you know, two percent of the listen people. Listen, how crazy yeah. this is! If you think your course is the best on the market, it's actually in your responsibility to make sure that they buy your course and not the others. No, I disagree with that. that is oh, a, do you? Yes, that is a common marketer statement that I think justifies a lot of bad behavior. So there's these, it's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you will hear these people who do sales say, it is your job. Right. Like, no, man, this, it is your job to make an incredible product and then over and tell the truth. And then over time, you will win. The truth wins out in the long run. But this belief that you need to get people on your webinar today and you have to say whatever you have to to do it, like good shit wins out in the long term. It leads to a really bad cycle though. Yes. What I what I explained. Yeah. Is yeah. Then because you're always gonna have the, the doubling race down, to the bottom. To, yeah, race to know? the bottom. Um and and that's justified by it is my moral obligation to get as many people. And off and literally, I can't think of a person who has said that to me who is not um self-deceiving and yeah, they, by and the they way, don't have the best market. The yeah, by the way, when market. I say marketing, I, I don't mean to jump into the, the gimmicky marketing where it's you're lying, mm-hmm. right? Like you tell the best truth. Like I think this is a great product. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do the best marketing you can is, but I, I don't think they go hand in hand. So maybe I'm kind of contradicting myself here okay, a little bit. But anyway, I, back to the fake guru. I do think there is a difference between fake guru and, and bad marketing. Mm-hmm. And that was my whole position was always trying to figure out like who are the real guys, who are the bad guys. Yeah. Clearly, YouTube shows whenever you make kind of more entertaining videos about the scumbags, you're going to get more views. And so with only so many hours per week and only so many videos you want to release, obviously, you're just going to tend to go down the path of like only kind of the bad guys in the space. But yeah, a lot of the marketing is is what drives my channel, too, because I, I enjoy talking about the marketing as opposed to the course. Yeah. I think that's way more important. It's like, are you being transparent? Yeah. Are you sharing what the reality is about when you sign up for my course, you're going to have six months of not making a dollar. Mm. Are you still interested in buying the product? And if people do and don't make money for six months, well, you told them up front. I think that is an ethical way to sell. Got it. Who, if anyone, do you think in that earning money, making money space is um, a, a legitimate person? I've hung out with John Cristani before. I consider him a friend. He was uh, like one of the biggest fake gurus. And, and definitely whenever people make the fake guru videos, they point to his marketing. 
He's t- uh, you think totally he's legit. legit. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, affiliate marketing space, yeah. Got it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know their courses though. So yeah, like it depends on when you say legit. Is the course legit or are they legit? Because actually, a lot of these guys mm. were legit. Like, so, so again, this goes to the, the economy of like, okay, he's made money in this, yes. but has he backed it up with the course and is he doing shady marketing? That might be And I don't know. So okay. let's say, uh, okay, so I flipped houses before. I lost money. I lost $90,000 flipping houses. So Therefore, I should not. You're ready to teach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're ready to yeah. start a course. So, so I should not teach based on principles, right? Because I can't teach you how to get rich in, in real estate flipping houses. Mm-hmm. But I know the entire process. I know because I've watched enough material that I can just package up what I've learned. Yeah. And, and in addition to what I've learned uh, from firsthand experience and give you a, a pretty valid course, like very good information. But that doesn't mean I should teach it. And yeah. so I think you have a lot of people that where the course might actually be pretty decent, but a lot of them might have taken the course from someone legit and then did Amazon for six weeks and went, okay, I get how to do it now so I can speak a little more confidently on camera. But if you actually looked at their books, you go, wait a second. No, no, no. You only made $1,000. Yeah. So you know how to make money on Amazon, but then the marketing becomes how to make a million dollars on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. When you, you made money on Amazon, but it wasn't seven figures. Yes. And I, th- I mean, we know it would have been interesting and it's okay at this point because we haven't codified them. But to just make a list of all of the most popular marketing deceptions and the one that you just pointed out is speaking about revenue instead of profit which on amazon is like making a million dollars on amazon revenue is you can make no money off of that um you can lose money (laughs) off of that great story the perfect example of this is a friend of mine who i'm gonna leave the details very vague a friend of mine is running a company Mm -hmm. and one of his employees is named john smith john smith got a blue check mark and sold on Amazon and had a good year. He had a million or 2 million in total sales, Mm -hmm. but only 20,000 net. You know, one of these scenarios where it's like, he made very little. That's why he's still an employee, has a blue check, started selling the Amazon courses. And my buddy was looking at him. He's like, wait, you work for me. I know who you are. I know you made very little, but he's selling these courses and got the nice car on the, on the Instagram and made good money selling courses. That's like the pinnacle. That's the perfect example of someone, of a fake guru. Until you make it. Wow. You did a video on blue checks, right? Yeah. Tell me about that. I, I, I think I know, and in yeah. fact, had been approached uh, a couple years ago by a guy who came up to me, he's like, yo, $6,000, I'll get you a blue check. I'm really bitter because I don't have one. That's why I made the video. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get laid because I don't have the blue check mark. <laughs> My it's, DMs aren't getting answered. It's no. overrated. Yeah, but. there's a, in some ways probably. But anyway, I, I, w- I wish I had one because I could reach out. It would help with the journalism aspect sure. because I could reach out to people. No one answers my DMs now. Mm. It would be nice to at least have that ability to to know in more confidence that they'd see it. Well, anyway. I would love of- to do a test of that. I wonder Ooh. if, because I, I wonder, I don't want to be a creep who's just contacting people and being like, test, test, yeah, will yeah. you answer me? <laughs> but to, like, answer. to have me and someone with the same amount of followers reach out, but they, it's it's that's not a an actual test. Yeah, because they know they if I'm have, reaching out, they, they might, might have go. seen my channel. They yeah. might know, yeah. Or if they but, know me, it's like, I'm not answering. I know what he's doing. Sure, um, so go, yeah, so go ahead mark. and tell the blue check story. Yeah, there was, um, these, these companies have algorithms, right? And, there's ways to game it. And you have all these little young kids that figures out way they figure out ways to game the system. Mm-hmm. And so there's been numerous ways to game the blue check mark system. One was you 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 were an athlete. And so these like backup athletes at college, but because they had some recruiting profile on them, they got the blue check mark. Ah. And now uh, the most recent one that got exposed was a musician scandal. DJs. DJs where you you they would come up with a profile for you on Spotify and it would be six songs of just the, the most simple melody that you yeah. could download off some e- website for free. And then they have, of course, some nice pictures from you. You pay for a photographer to come out and yeah. nice pictures. And I'm a new DJ, DJ Spencer coming to town. And then you pay for articles. And so you have articles, you've got a Spotify, you pay for streams yep. all in, you're paying five or 10 grand. Then maybe you pay someone else five or 10 grand to set all this up and do the system for you. And you go to Instagram and they see, DJ, they see blue check mark on Spotify, they see blue check mark on Facebook, some news articles. Ding. Yeah. You're a musician. And and so on your Instagram bio, you put like musician, boom, you got it. And for a lot of people are paying 15, 25K, you get the blue check. And now you're a legitimate and now you can sell your Amazon drop shipping course. And they see blue all the social signals are there. Blue check, you paid for followers, you've got the high-end pictures, you've got the car. Yeah. It just works. The sad reality is it works. Yeah, I knew a guy that did that. Um and he did the DJ route and got his check and uh, still has it. Because be- part of the always oh, lost. Part of the scandal is they lost it. We were have a head shake. No, oh, it's gone. It's gone. And by the way, it's like incredibly hard to get it back if you lose it. As it, yeah, that sounds reasonable. You know what's fascinating that I think is unchanging is humans' deep need for status and markers of status 
and then the gamification of how you can circumvent the hard work required to get status in order to just get the signal. Let's go a step further. Yeah. This is, social media is generally skewed younger. You have young guys who are trying to circumvent all this, right? Yeah. This is mostly young dudes, mostly 22 to 25 mm -hmm. year olds who, who are desperate for the blue check and willing to pay. You get the paycheck from your job and you go pay for the blue check mark. Yeah. Paycheck to blue check. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. um, But it, how many 40 year olds do this, right? You don't really hear of that often. No, I Not think many. because they've probably spent their life if, if they are like, you can get a guaranteed blue check in several years if you build something. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a promise. You get it organic. Get in or build something. And then, I mean, I uploaded a photo of my license and I presume they Google you and then they go, oh, there's a thing here because you build something and then it's done. Um, so fascinating. Have you submitted your picture? You said you don't Numerous have Numerous times, yeah. And you did get, you did get picked up. I don't get up. blue check. No, it's really <gasps> tough too because I had oh, an organic they? in... Time Magazine. I had an organic article about mm -hmm. me and Coffeezilla. Hmm. That wasn't enough. You need three. And so I, I, I don't know that I have any articles, but it's interesting. You also got yours, what, a year ago? Uh, the two years? Two, yeah, big difference. It's incredibly hard because... Oh, so really? Instagram, you're basically... Um, is is kind of like diseases, right? Like a new disease enters in your body, figures out a way to adapt, yeah. right? And this is what Instagram has done because they want to protect that. I mean, the blue check you could argue is the most valuable currency on social media right now mm -hmm. in 2022. There's nothing more valuable. And so they're obviously trying to protect it and they don't want little shitheads to have the blue check. Mm -hmm. You want Drake and Rihanna to be the only ones who have it. And so once they figure out, okay, there's a little scheme over here, that's why they dropped a lot of people who when they figured out who was doing the scheme they went back they went and dropped it They're like, we got to get rid of this you guys are bad actors in the scheme wow and so uh yeah there's always ways to well, I have to try and protect against it so if you've gotten it before <laughs> man you're be fortunate because oh I so i, I have, have uh, a buddy who's been trying to get alex hormozzi's alex hormozzi's blue check because he doesn't i don't think he has alex one. doesn't have one i don't think he has one wow maybe he does now but i know it took like a long time because the entrepreneur space is incredibly oh, challenging. Oh, that makes sense. It's the entrepreneur space because all the shitheads just completely ruin that. If you said you were an entrepreneur, there oh, was just so many ways. He doesn't have a check. He doesn't? Yeah, so he With still doesn't. 600,000 And he's as legit as any $100 million net worth. Yeah. Impersonators. Goofy. Goofy. Um, I want to talk about Andrew Tate. Okay. You did a video of, uh, that I thought was really interesting. And one of the things that I do appreciate, again, like I'm not sure that we would come down and agree about the status of every guru or fake guru, but you are willing to be the lone voice that I've seen that is not an Andrew Tate, um, like, de devotee. Yeah. But you made a video that argued that Hustlers University, which was his flagship product, is not a pyramid scheme. And that was the like most popular way to describe Hustlers University. So go ahead and describe what Hustlers University is and why you don't think it's a pyramid scheme. It's essentially another one of these online courses, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you how to get wealthy using these types of methods. The only mm -hmm. difference between this one is he offered a discord and it was numerous types of make money strategies, six to eight or 18, however many mm -hmm. it was. And so as opposed to, I'm going to teach you Amazon, it's I'm going to teach you all these different ways. It was and he 50 had bucks a month, 50, right? $50 a month. So I thought very low cost to entry. And then he had coaches or he sold it as having coaches, legitimate guys verified in each different niche. Mm -hmm. What I thought was really cool about it is when you go in and you go into those spaces, it was actually really, really, really well organized. You bought the course. I bought the course and everything. Out. And I, I see all these people. So I, I'm totally cool going against the grain when I know I'm right mm -hmm. and words matter. And so if you, I, I hold true to the, the meaning of words. And if someone says something's a pyramid scheme, I'm going to buy the product and figure it out. And I didn't appreciate that all these people were going around misusing words. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this matters, and I wish people cared about it more is because when you come out and say someone's a scammer, you want it to have impact. You want it to be like, please stay away. I'm trying to help you. Like my videos, I want to help you stay away from the bad guys. But the word scammer, Ponzi scheme, pyramid scheme, fake guru has been overused and abused mm -hmm. so much that the words don't have meaning anymore. And so what I was finding is this: there was this moment in time where Andrew Tate was becoming the most popular person in the world. And so many different big creators were calling this a pyramid scheme or yeah. a Ponzi scheme. And in sanctity of trying to protect the meaning of that word, of course, you you get the views from Andrew Tate. So tell me, tell me why it's not a pyramid scheme. Why? Sure. So why did people say it was a pyramid scheme? Pyramid scheme is the the idea is that you sign up for something and you recruit others and you make money by recruiting. And so in a in a actual pyramid scheme, you only make money by recruiting others. There is no end product or service. Even if well, you, there's often a there's often the illusion of an end product. The illusion, or yes. Or so, or I'm going to sell you a sports drink, <laughs> and it, that's where it gets a little gray area. If you if you're only making money by recruiting people to sell the sports drink and not the sports drink 
drinks, sports drink selling itself, mm-hmm. that kind of becomes a pyramid scheme. Yeah. And, uh, and so people were ha- given the ability to sign up for Hustlers University and sell, sell it. You sell can access. join using yeah. my affiliate link, which is the affiliate model, model is a single level affiliation. So this is the most important thing that you, yes. you persuaded me on yeah. this one. Um, affiliate is, happens everywhere. Every single time that you see Mr. Beast do a honey thing, that's yes. an affiliate model. He yes. says, use code BEAST and get a thing. And what the idea of that is, each individual can sell to one layer beneath them. Right. But if Mr. Beast sells honey to me and I buy with code BEAST and then I do a honey video and I do code charisma, none of that money at all flows up to Mr. Beast. Correct. It would only flow to me. So an affiliate model, which exists in so many businesses and I think is a wonderful way to incentivize word of mouth and it a great, it's how you do sponsorships. You almost require a great product because now you're putting, your customers are putting their mm-hmm. reputation on the line by selling yeah. your product. And so- what well technically I, Mr. Beast is probably more sponsorship. He gets paid up front, but you sure. can imagine if yeah. if it was anytime you see an affiliate link, it's either it's basically an affiliate or a tracking code. Yeah. But if I if I come out and say buy a charisma on command university, here's my mm-hmm. affiliate link. It's going to be an affiliate. I'm going to earn yeah. a commission based on you buying the product. And so that is one level. That is Correct. if we have an affiliate code for CU, you sell CU, you get money from that. But if that person beneath you then sells it, you you do not get anything based on all of the levels of people they may recommend. And what your Correct. point is that Andrew Tate's was a single level Correct. affiliate program that was incredibly well supported. Yeah, and only something like 6% of people, like I didn't even have the ability to sell it. Mm-hmm. There was no, so they look at 100,000 people joined and they go, oh, it's a pyramid scheme. Well, I go, well, wait a second. How many people even have the ability to do mm-hmm. affiliates? I didn't even have the ability. So therefore, by definition, it literally cannot be. If I can't yeah. even sell it, I can't, there is no pyramid scheme. Yeah. Right? If I can't even earn any affiliates. And so that was the point. I, I just hold true to these words because I, I really wish they held more weight. Sure. That's and I all. and I think that um, one of the things that if, if you do look at what Andrew Tate did so well is that a lot of people, if people um, clip their videos and don't, edit it or change it, they'll claim it because they go, you shouldn't be making ad revenue off of my content. What Andrew Tate did that was incredibly brilliant is he not only didn't do that, he said, use everything I've ever done, slice it and dice it, get the ad revenue from it. It's yours. I don't want it. But what I will incentivize you to do is at the end of it, sell my course. So rather than like what Charisma on Command does, which is we, if we want somebody to make a Charisma on Command video, we go and we hire a writer or a research assistant and ask them and we give them money. He was saying, anyone can use my stuff. You can make AdSense off it. And by the way, it's incredibly viral. There's arguably nothing more viral than this on the planet right now. So you put up a clip of me, you're going to make some, you know, there's a high chance you make money. I thought it was... um. What I've seen is that the people that have had these leaps in um, success, Andrew Tate, Mr. Beast, they often don't take money that other people do take. And so, like, Mr. Beast didn't take the sponsorship money. He used that sponsorship money and plowed it right back into the videos. That's now become a thing that people have wisened up and done. Andrew Tate wasn't claiming the AdSense, even though that was available to him. Yeah, it was his copyright. He was kicking that AdSense right back out to people and recouping more money down the line. He was incentivizing attention. Yes. Essentially is what he was doing. And and he gave them a product to sell in his name. Yeah. Now, the fair argument for this is, and it is similar to a pyramid scheme, and that is people were taking his clips and getting people to sign up with no intention of ever joining the course to try and make money. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of the gray area came in because that that's doesn't a fair make it point. a pyramid scheme. However, it what's the intentions of your audience, right? And if all 100,000 people were just joining to then sell, it was like a business opportunity as opposed to let me learn what's in the course. That's where you start getting into an argument that I'll, I'll receive. It doesn't make it a pyramid scheme, but I'll receive the argument and agree that it is probably not within the bounds of mm. what the purpose of this is. Well, you know what is interesting? It's kind of like he set up this um, unpaid Uber style marketer business, which is like, I'm not going to give you any money. Yeah, <laughs> you can go drive for me, and uh, I'm not going to pay you anything. Yeah, and if you want to hustle, you can make a few bucks. And if you want to hustle, you can do this, which is like, and and I benefit most. <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to have been inside the program. So that's not it's not a perfect Uber analogy, but I don't. If the product is so compelling, and he is such a compelling speaker that you don't even have to have been inside the course in order to sell it. Do you just put up a clip of him talking about girls? I, I don't have a problem with that structurally. There's then a whole different 
conversation to have about, well, what is Andrew Tate saying? Is it appropriate? And, you know, is it true? Is it um, valuable and useful for young men, which is a separate conversation, but the structure of it, I, um, I think based on watching your video, okay, I think, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. And that was my intention of the videos. I was, I saw a lot of, a lot of content surrounding one idea ideology. And I just said, you're not right. Mm-hmm. And I felt like making an objective video. That's just, that's my personality. I can't go against it. Like when you confront me with some like type of polarizing topic and I go, okay, well, let me break it down. Is it? Yeah. And that's the video that resulted. Yeah. Cool. So I, um, I want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would like to before we start to wind down? Nothing. Dude, it's been great. If you want to check out Spencer, he's got a YouTube channel. Anywhere else they should follow you? If you're an attractive woman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Spencer Cornelia on YouTube. Spencer Cornelia on YouTube. He's got uh, no blue check on Instagram, so. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> don't even yeah, waste Yeah, don't time. even worse. I'm not important enough. It's been a pleasure to have you, man. We appreciate all you audience members as well. We'll see the rest of you guys next week. Cheers. Peace. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.